Patty Collette is uh, texting me right now, phoning me right now in the middle of our pod. Unacceptable. What's he want? I have no idea. What do you think he wants? I have no idea. He's kind of like a big. Uh, he's kind of like a big wheel down uh, in youth hockey uh, land. Eh? He's the president, so he call him back and let's listen to hear what he has to say. Just be like, hey, is this what is this about? It's got to be minor hockey related, right? Yeah. Well, I actually any, I any think, shit going uh, down with your team? Anyone suspended or anything? Well, why would he be no. calling you this early in the morning? The reason why is both of our teams. He coaches the thirteen U team. I coach the fourteen U team, and our two teams. Uh, tonight are going to be practicing together so i'm sure he uh is asking what uh what he wants to do because i I told him i I had asked him in the morning i had asked him in the morning sent him just a quick note i said what's the plan for tonight he says skate him the whole time and i said so what does that mean play a game is he turned out is he is he turning into the guy that forgets what it's like to be a kid playing hockey again yeah 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 sometimes (laughs) you lose it it happens we all to do everybody. It. We all happens do it to the for best sure. of us. Uh, hey, listen, uh, before we get started, apologies to everybody yesterday that we didn't do a show. Here we are on Tuesday, but it almost doesn't even make sense now that we're into year two. Like, if you look at the NHL schedule, and, and we're here in Buffalo for our listeners that are everywhere, so, like, we we look at the Sabres schedule, but but when you when you look around the league and you look at schedules, Sunday games and afternoon games, really take off after college football and NFL football, <laughs> like late February, March. Have you noticed this? There's a yes. lot more afternoon games. And we know this because we've looked at the schedule for the Sabres far enough down the road. And you're like, oh, yeah, you can see where they predict the Bills are going this year. Because <laughs> they, they, they don't have any afternoon games until like late February. They start playing at 1230 and then one o'clock and stuff on the weekends. But anyway, that's we figure the Bills beat Kansas City. We have a, a strong Sabres following here. So Western New York, Buffalo, and they're scattered all over the world. But we also have a lot of, as we've learned from globally but other states and provinces around ontario so yep i wanted to hear what uh you know listen to the news hear what they had to say about the game there was a lot of uh a lot of it was an awesome game i mean to be a bills fan right now and it's you know again it's like when i got to when i came to buffalo in 2009 you know, obviously the uh, the team, the organization was struggling immensely. But we all know uh, the history, Craig. Just get yeah. To the point. Fuck. Well, now now it's just it just feels so good. It just feels so good to be glued to the TV on Sunday, watching the Bills. You know, oh, it, it's it, that's an exciting game. That's a that's a a staple game to to, to play against Kansas City. Beat Mahomes. Beat the friggin' refs. Like holy shit balls, yeah, man! The trip. Like call, call something. Holding, holding. Well, you say you say. Look, I mean, I'm not trying to change the topic, but you talk about officiating just in that game because everyone around us in our pockets of our lives are, it, you know, they're Bills fans, so they're emotionally attached to the Bills. So when you're talking about that trip, you're talking about the trip and call on Josh Allen. That one? Yes, I'm talking. Okay, well, there's so well, many. I mean, points. look at Leaf fans last night. And I'm not trying to transition into into hockey. I'm just staying on the point of officiating. I mean, it, it's you know, with 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 instant replay the way it is, and technology the way it is, and being able to see everything, the officials are more under the gun now. And I am a very very harsh critic of officiating in all sports. Um, but that's because I think it's just terrible. I, I mean, so you're 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 telling me right. now. I like the Leafs got screwed okay. last night. They tied it up with 37 no, they, seconds. No. Why, why and, would and you say that? Because that's not a hand pass. Yes, it is a hand Fucking, pass. That's if, not if, a hand pass. That's a guy knocking. Your hand- he knocked. He knocked the. I think that's a skill to be able to catch the puck. Go and ahead. Go it. ahead. Oh. He knocked it. What? He knocked the puck down with the palm of his hand. And then who he didn't got put the puck it next. In. What's that? Who got the puck next? A Leaf player. They did. That's that's. You can't do that in the offensive zone. If you're in the defensive zone, he didn't close his hand on the puck and throw it to the guy. He he knocked it down, down, right down. That's he used his hand. He used his hand. It's a very to me. Very, it's like in soccer when you get a a, a cross in a game and then and it hits the guy's elbow and they call a handball. Like what are what are we talking about here? There's a fucking hit him in the elbow. Like it, he didn't put his hand out and grab the ball. Did he hit and, it? Did he hit it with his hand? 
Oh, well, we stopped the game it's, for these it's, stupid reasons. We want goals in the NHL. And we want great games. And it would have gone to overtime. Someone lost a lot of money, number one, because they either took a line on the game. But then number two, the Leafs get screwed. Or it's a conspiracy by the league because they're like, we've got this team in Arizona that could beat the Leafs, and they're playing in a 5,000-seat college rank. So we need them to beat the Leafs so we can start saying they're good. So they'll be able to rig a little quicker, and we'll have a good team there in Arizona. Listen, it's don't, holy don't. Shit. Don't get on There's a story around the, the league is that the Leafs me lost bandwagon for Toronto, okay? I don't want to hear bandwagon, it. Craig. It's called it's a well, hand then don't pass. Be on the bandwagon for the Bills. Like fuck how's the like was it a trip or was the guy kind of pulled back and his leg was stuck out and Josh Allen chose not to hurdle his leg? He'll hurdle men, but he won't hurdle a foot. Uh so like I can go either way on this one too. Like fuck Josh. You obviously you're didn't watch the game then. You obviously that. didn't you didn't watch the game. I saw the play you're talking about. You saw the play where the guy tripped Josh Allen. You're going to tell me that's you not You tell true. me how I could possibly miss that play, even if I didn't watch the game. Okay. It's all over. So the anyway, we, we both agree on that. Twitter, Listen, I, which isn't Toronto a real Maple place, Leafs, by the way. Toronto Maple Leafs lost to the Arizona Coyotes. I'll say it, I'll say it again because I like the ring. Toronto Maple Leafs lost to the Arizona Coyotes, four to two. This is one of the best teams in the league. Supposedly one of the best teams in the league. And listen, they're they're gonna they're gonna snap out of it here. But uh, I mean, to lose to Arizona, thoughts? Gonna blame it on a hand pass? No, it was a hand pass. They called the goal off. All right, that's it. All right, well, the Leafs should still be beating the Arizona Coyotes, but re- regardless. Anyway, is Matthews here right now? <laughs> I Nylander? No, I got uh, Nylander's playing well. Oh, so they're all there. All of there's no injuries. Okay, there's no injury history. What's going on in Toronto? Like there is. I'll tell you. You want to go back to a conversation that we had a couple uh, weeks, a couple weeks ago. Who is in the hot seat? Kyle Dubas. You got one. It's not Kyle Dubas. I'll tell you that. Sheldon Keith. Oh, you better believe it. Can't get this team to win. You need a new coach. All right. Hot take there from from, uh, Uncle Craig. Great job on shredding ragging today. I'll toot your horn every Tuesday if you're listening locally. You can even get it on. You can stream it, too. You know, we here at After the Whistle do a segment on uh, 97 Rock with uh, Shred and Ragan, number one show in Buffalo for years and years and years. Amazing. Those guys are so easy. They're they're like an oiled machine. <laughs> I just I I I can't I can't get over how smooth they are in yeah. terms of their dialogue and when they're they're doing their games and everything. It's just like so in sync. But you were fantastic on there today. Well, I appreciate it. You were fantastic on that today. And I love that they brought up the uh your video that you sent out on social media. You're such you're such a shy guy on social media, but then all of a sudden you have these like moments. There's like Craig Gravet moments, and you take it to this yeah. this fantasy land called Well, Twitter. am I wrong? Like am I wrong in that video? Like I'm starting a new year. I'm starting a new year where you're building something in Saberland and it's and it's detailed. It's not just the players. You got all this skill, you have all this talent. Um there's there's a lot of kids that uh that are blessed with super high end talent that can score goals, okay? But in today's game, you need to play structured hockey. Structured hockey don't don't mistake the word structured hockey is each and every player knows their responsibility on the ice at certain times. Okay. It's not about winning, winning the game in the first period. It's about, it's about wearing teams down throughout a three period hockey game for 60 minutes. Okay. It pisses me off even more because it's Zemgis Gergensen. Cause I think he's literally probably the most physical player that we have in the entire team that plays the right way all the time. Okay? And for people listening that may not have seen your video or our retweet of your video, Craig made a video of a player, unknown player in the video. I didn't know who the player was. I, I actually assumed it was Casey Middlestad. My apologies, Casey, 
but only because it was a left-handed shot forward that didn't finish a check. It, no offense. Uh, but that being said, you sent out a video and it was of watching a Sabres player turn off a check and you tweeted it out and it got a lot of views and it got a lot of comments. And I read some of those comments and I agree with some of them. And I disagree. And I like the philosophy of some, and it brings me to a question. And this isn't just Sabre related for those outside Buffalo. This is, this is hockey related and how players are coached today, maybe. And I ask you this question, Riv, and I mean it seriously. Because I only hear Lindy and Jacques Lemaire. I only played for two NHL coaches. I went to camp and Pete DeBoer was there. And I know that he never would have stood for that. Okay. Any of my three coaches that I experienced in the NHL never would have uh, settled for that play by any player. Unless it's like a $10 million skilled guy. Okay. So is it possible that the coach says there's no sense in plowing that guy through the end boards because you're wasting your own energy and taking yourself out of the play. I would rather you turn and get back up ice. Make the defenseman think you're going to hit him, but then turn and get back up ice and you have a step on him on the back check. Is that possible? Uh, the, the, the thought process is, is possible, you know, and I, you know, listen, I mean, I'm, I'm going to sit here and, you know, there's, uh, some, some tweets that were, were sent back and be like, well, that's, uh, you know, just dinosaur hockey there where you're hitting a guy and you don't need, listen, everybody can have their opinion. I'm not going to shit on your stupid opinion where you're just going to do the flyby. Here's my process for the, um, I don't know, for the guy who wrote me, and I'm not even going to say his name because I'm going to, I respect his opinion, okay? He doesn't want Zemgus Gergensen making a body check there. He wants them to basically get in there fast. If he can't get out, if he can't get the puck, then he wants to, to be back, you know, moving the other way. Here's my thought process. So when you have defensemen, and I was one of those guys that go back for the puck continuously over and over and over. Defense are smart. Okay. They're, they're smart in certain aspects of the game. When you go back for the puck and you receive a puck and you have to think of be even before you get to the puck, what you're going to do with it. Now, all of a sudden, when you know, you're going to get hit, things change in your brain. You're about protecting yourself you're trying to maybe make a, a play quicker than what you normally would which might not be tape to tape it might you know what i'm saying you wear down defensemen by making body checks on them so what happens is especially in the first period because what happens is over the course of the game you know the the defensemen that are now going back for the puck in the middle of the second period know that they've been hit multiple times, know that they're going to get hit. So they hurry up and make plays that may not be the right ones. Okay. Which gives your your team an opportunity to get pucks back. That's, that's the whole point of making the body check is to basically wear down the mindset of the defenseman that's going back for the puck. He's going to hurry himself and probably make not the right play. Okay. These are why you do this. It's not for toughness. Zemgus Gergensen or any other player going in to make a body check is not there for toughness. It is there to basically make the mind of the player that's receiving pucks, that's going back to get these pucks to make, to hurry up their options, to hurry up their, their decision-making. If you don't hit them, defensemen learn that they have more time and space to make better plays. Well, don't you means... think who was the defenseman? Sorry to cut you off, but who was the defenseman that Zemgus turned off of? Raku Gudis. I think Raku Gudis uh, is going to turn off sorry. any player on, on Buffalo. And you know what, Rat, and you know exactly why, what Raku Gudis is saying. He already has enough period. space as it is out there because Does he, he really. Well, is he really that tough? The, no. Oh my no, God. No, uh, hold on. Excuse me. Break. Let me reform, reform that comment. Against the Buffalo Sabres, he has a lot of space out there. I'm sorry to say it, but it goes along with what we're saying here. It's He has a lot of space, and he's got to be thinking in his head, wow, if Zemgus Gergensens is turning off of me, and he knows that Zemgus Gergensens is probably the only forward with the exception of maybe two or three other guys that are going to finish Radko Gudis, then he knows it's going to be an easy night. 
And that allows him to go out and grab Darlene by the scruff of the neck and give him some shots and have Darlene be like, yeah, you know, but I'm going to stay on the ice and we're going to get the power play, but that's fine. There's no fear. It's not about the fear though. Pete. Oh, I'm not, I'm not, but I'm for, not for looking a guy at like fear. for a guy like Gudis. Yeah. For me, it is for a guy like Gudis. It is. Cause you know that every guy in the Buffalo Sabres is going to say shit. You know what? Like if, if I get out of hand here, Matt Kachuk still makes nine million, but he might come in and address me. And nobody on this team wants to address Matt, uh, Matt Kachuk. You might sit there and be like, who the fuck is Matt Kachuk? Because he doesn't scare Craig Reve and he doesn't scare Andrew Peters, but he scares 20 out of 20 players on the Buffalo Sabres because they have nobody that even matches his intensity. But it's two games into the season, so let's not panic. But if you don't think that when the Florida Panthers roll in and Matt Kachuk scares everybody on the ice, like what's Darnell Nurse going to do to this team? Darnell Nurse is one of the top five toughest guys in the league, and everybody knows it. That's why he doesn't fight yeah. very much. And he's and he, listen, I mean, Darnell Nurse is not paid to fight. He's paid to play f- a very physical brand of hockey. He adds offense, but, uh, you know, but he skates, but he's super physical. What about Evander he, Kane? Evander Kane's going to be the toughest guy in the ice on, on, on Tuesday, the, tonight. Evander Kane will be the toughest guy in the ice against the Buffalo Sabres. Yeah. And and listen, I mean, the toughness is not uh it's not the sole reason why you win games. That's no, it's for the, sure. It's the That's intimidation not factor saying. though. I'm not look, I'm not gonna I'm not, I'm not gonna go down that rabbit hole of what I've talked about for literally like I can't even tell you how many years. Okay. We are very skilled. Okay. We are a very skilled hockey team. You put us in 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 a in a non-body contact uh game, then we are gonna be exceptional because we have incredible talent. There's there's incredible talent on this team. But there's a lot of players that are the same, right from your first line to your fourth line. And on other teams, on other teams, if you go to the Rangers, you go go to any team, Florida Panthers, their fourth line guys know their role. Lomberg, he's not a big guy. Ryan Lomberg is not a big guy from the Florida Panthers. He's a fourth line guy. He hits everything in sight. He plays with insanely high energy. Um, and he's, and he's, he get, tries to get under, under people's skin. He knows his role. We talk about the roles. Now, here's the thing. Not here. I'm not, we're dwelling on far too much right now. Um, they did not, uh, Sabres did not play their, their, their best hockey in the, in the first two games. They gave up far too much. Um, Craig Anderson was absolutely insane in his first game. Stop four breakaways. I was just like breakaway after breakaway after breakaway. I'm like, what is going on? We allowed four breakaways in one game. I don't understand it. I don't, I don't, I do not understand it. How this happens. Well, I do understand how this happens, but you have guys that are just basically playing their own, their own style brand of hockey. Defense wins championships. Okay. Now, if you have an offensive team, if you have a highly offensive team where all those players care about defense as much as they do offense, you will have you will have a world class team. You'll have a winning team. You can you have to t- think defense first. That's just the way it is. You look at you look at today's game. We're we were going to go over all the games here today, Petey. Okay, all the games. And the scores on the games are, are, are crazy. Like really scoring is, is well, we did, we did the player cast on, up. We did the player cast on Saturday night with Sportsnet, and that was a lot of fun. And we're doing it again this weekend um, with Vancouver Buffalo. Um, so if you're a Sabres fan from north of the border, you can catch that and we'll, uh, we'll tweet the link out. But um, my point is, you know, one of the things that we took away from that game was the how much and obviously they have McDavid and they have, you know but how much stretching there is in the game even the Sabers their their teams are stretching guys back and forth and someone told me to watch for that with Buffalo that they are going to be um, using that stretch pass they're going to be trying to open up the game they know they have speed they know they have skill and I think that's that's part of the plan and how to utilize it and I think that's what a lot of teams are starting to do. And that's what Erie did. And that's what made McDavid so good is they just shot the puck out of the zone and there he goes. And how many times do we see that Saturday night? 
Well, you're, you're putting a lot of pressure on defenders on the defense when you're stretching zones and your and your forwards are moving north. That makes things very difficult on defense. That's where you're going to get your breakdowns. You're going to get your trippings, your holdings, and and things like that. And uh, teams go on the power play. But it does. You know, but also, it doesn't allow for all ten guys to get back in the zone too. Like. I find it's weird. I mean, and I think like the game is moving so much faster now end to end. End to end action is at an all-time high, I feel like. Sabres Ottawa, end to end. Sabres Florida, end to end. Calgary Edmonton, the game that look at some of these highlights. Game is super exciting. Has there been someone that's uh that you've liked so far um on the on the Sabres lineup that that maybe sticks out that you you've liked what you've seen. Yes, there's there's one player and I've been oh, raving wow. about him since I first saw him in the minors and I said this kid's going to be a superstar. He's fast, he's skilled, all he needs is a chance. Okay? And that's JJ Paterka. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. I just completely stole your guy and your whole point. No, Riv, I know where you're going with this. JJ No, Paterka. I wasn't going with JJ, but nice way to play along. Let me let me get back to your level here. Who who are you thinking about? Well, at this at this point in time, I I've really liked Darlene. I've liked how easy. you know he's it's an easy one. Is that an easy one? Oh yeah, he's leading the team in points. Way to go! Way to pick the most obvious guy. Okay, but really you know, really listen. digging deep into the scouting book. Oh, here we go. <laughs> I I I like what I've seen. I've, I like what I've seen from, from Rasmus Dahlin, you know, he's really, um, you know, added offense to, to, to his already offensive game, but you can just see when he's on the ice, he's, he's dynamic. He's, he's really pushing the puck, pushing the play. Um, you know, there's a couple, there's a couple plays, a couple shifts where I'm like, what are you doing? Like, uh, the backhand pass that he made in the Florida game in his zone, um, those little things can be cleaned up. He'll watch some video on it. I'm sure that he'll understand. Um, maybe not quite the time to to be playing shinny hockey, but I've really liked his game. I, I've uh, you know he's he's a plus player, plus three right now after two games, two goals, an assist, and the power play hasn't even started to click yet. So there's zero panic. They're they're actually in a nice position. They're one and one. I think that each and every player on the Sabres would, would say the same thing. That I think I it's don't too think soon to say anything. Their, oh yeah. Yeah. We, I mean, we, I, I respect the guys this morning asking you the question about Skinner and stuff. And then and, and that's a legitimate question. Like, do you start to panic? Because after Jack Eichel scored on opening night on the Tuesday, Jr. said Wednesday, that's huge for a guy to score in his first game. It just, it's like, you don't have to get to game three or four and wonder, you know, what's going to happen, but when, you already got that first one, and then now you go from there. It's too soon to start saying Skinner and Thompson and these other guys, but in their own minds, they're thinking, man, it would have been nice to pop one in the first couple games to get that, just get the ball rolling. Like Ovi went three games, and then he went two and two last night against Vancouver, but you and I talked yesterday. We were like, how many games does Ovi go before we start saying where's Ovi? You know what I mean? So... You know, what's unfair versus the reality of what these players are thinking. They have their own expectations. And you know, going into night one, they're saying, fuck, it'd be great to get one or two tonight because that's how guys like that need to think because they're scorers. For me to say, be a great to get one or two tonight. Yeah, there's a chance that anybody can get one or two, but the reality is that's not going to happen. So it's fantasy. But Tate's Thompson yeah. or Jeff Skinner, one or two goals is nothing foreign to them. So am I worried about uh, Jeff Skinner, how he has no points. Am I worried that Tage Thompson has no points? Am I worried that um, Casey Middlestat has no points? Am I worried that Victor Olofsson has no points? And yes, uh, yes people, he's not getting two open net friggin' goals. Yes, he got them, but that's not offense. He hasn't created anything. Okay. So those are four of your top players that have not produced throughout a game yet. Am I panicking? Absolutely not. But is that is a, there is going that to be some change? Is that alarming to you? 
sounds like your alarm, but I don't give a shit. I'm like, no, I'm, well, I'm we'll not worry I'm about not this really in alarm. game five or six. That's when we'll worry about this. I'm not, I'm not really uh, alarmed with this. Um, you know, I think Tage Thompson and Jeff Skinner are going to be in a situation this year that they are going to garner the number one line, the number one defense pair on every single team that they play. It's going to be a lot tougher. Okay. That's why when we're talking about Tage Thompson at the start of the year, he scored 38 goals. I don't think he's going to score. He's going to score 38 goals. He might never score 38 goals again. Do I think he's going to, they, they had an over under on Tage Thompson at 32 and everyone's like, oh yeah, he's going to score with 32 for sure. No, he's not. I'd be surprised if he scored 32. I have him at 27 in my mind. And that's still a damn good year of hockey. But Tage Thompson, Jeff Skinner, they're going to have to realize that every single night they're going to be playing against the other team's best. And they're going to have to find ways, find ways to uh, to get past that. I'm not really sure if that was even my question or not. Yeah, we're not panicking. We're not panicking. They're, they're, when, do you, when do you start to look at it, though? Five, six, seven games in? Is that when you start to say, okay, now shit's really got to well, change? I mean, if we're, if we're five, six, seven games in and these guys don't have any offense, then there's a concern. But um, I'm pretty sure that uh, Don Granato has already shuffled a few lines. Yes, he has. And Would you like me to throw you those lines? Absolutely. Why don't you go ahead and guess the top line there, Gregory? Um, Reinvent some magic. Okay, so Tuck's going to go back on the top line with... uh, Tuck, Thompson, Skinner. That's right to left. Olofsson, Asplund, Mittelstadt. Olofsson. On the right. Asplund. At center, Mittelstadt. Yes. Okay, interesting. Quinn on the on the fourth line left wing. Yeah, that's the one that you know. What the fuck is this? What the fuck is this? It's not what you want for your fourth line. I'll tell you that right now. Krebs and Quinn, like, what is this? Darlene Samuelson, Power Yoki Harju, Bryson Labushkin, and Fitzgerald. We were told not to read too much into the lines. Just tinkering. That said, and then here are the lines. So what are you doing? You're tinkering. So are you saying? You know what's interesting? Oh, when you are look you at saying, okay, Quinn Krebs? Here you are. You're you look. I'm going to make you think you're on the outside looking in, but really, this is just a bit of a wake up call because you're close to being there. Are, are these head games? Are we playing head games already? Two games in. We're playing head games with the with the, I don't know. With the is, young guys. Is this a legitimate lineup to you? Like, what is, is, does this does this say to you? Yeah, we're going in to beat Edmonton. Or does this say I don't know what I have here with the two games that I've seen? Tell I don't. Me what it, what tell it me what it, it reads to you. What's it I say? don't know what it says. I don't know what it says. I, I all I know is Asplin went from your, you know, your arguably your fourth line to your second line. You know, maybe they want to give him an opportunity, another chance. Maybe they want to give him a chance to see what he can do. At center, he didn't play center last year. Played wing. You know, is this is this a an opportunity for 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 Casey Middlestat to establish himself as a left winger? I don't mind trying things. I don't mind trying things at all. I mean, if things aren't working, that you have to try things. My concern is when you have a player like Quinn on your on your fourth line. And and you know, do you want to call it a fourth line? Do we want to name lines? Maybe maybe we lines. don't, but um maybe maybe it's going to be uh maybe it's going to be a great thing playing with two guys. Kyle Posco can play the game. He's an offensive guy. He knows how to play the game. Sam Gurgensen, he's a workhorse. 
I can see that. Quinn stays out, hides. Gergensen goes in, digs out the pucks, gives it to Oposo, who can make great plays down yes. low to a kid that can snipe. This might I, be a great thing for this young kid. I can see that. So instead of like, you know, my initial thought was, oh, here we go again, you know, blah, blah, blah. This actually might be what the kid needs. Take a little bit of pressure off him, play and on then a line him where some, he's going to play. power play time. He's going to get power play time. Yep. But we talked about that again. There's a lot of guys that that want power play time. Well, want versus deserves are two, two completely different, two completely different uh, avenues, wouldn't you say? Yeah. So, anyway, interesting. We'll have something to keep an eye on tonight in Edmonton. And I liked what you said. They're taking on McDavid, and I liked how you said they're taking on McDavid Drysdale. And the Edmonton Oilers, <laughs> because they're basically the whole team, right? Listen, I mean, they, you're going to be in tough. You are not going to shut down Connor McDavid. You will not shut him down. There's a reason why he's, he's the best player in the world, but you have to limit his opportunity. You have to limit his chances. You have to close his space so he can't wind up. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see like what deep pairing is is supposed to play against them. Like if you have a deep pairing out of out of what we have, what deep pairing is supposed to be playing against Connor McDavid? Well, if I'm if if I may have the floor here, I would say and this is putting a lot on a kid, it's putting a lot on a kid, but Jacob Bryson can skate. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Is that uh, well? I mean, do you want Darlene and uh, uh, Samuelson or Yoki Harju and Power defending all night? I mean, come on! Like, I, I don't I would, know. I would say Darlene and Samuelson will be on the ice against Connor McDavid the whole night. Would you not say that Bryson is probably the fastest skating defenseman we have? I don't care if he's he's small or whatever. Would you not say fastest, he's fastest? He is probably Jacob Bryson is probably faster than most of our forwards. Okay, okay. So that's what I'm doing, and all I want him to do is just take ice away from Connor McDavid. He doesn't have to hit him. Doesn't have to go and poke check him. Doesn't have to. He doesn't have to try to defend him one on one. Just just try to stay with him. Just stay with him. And be like a, be just like an annoying little fly to a dog. You know, he's trying to, you know, dog's trying to bite the fly. And just, just if passes are made to him, just be there. If 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 he's skating, well, here's just get thing. a stick on him, because because then Labushkin Labushkin's, uh, you know, defensively minded and physical, and who knows who knows what can come of that. That's all I'm saying. And then that would allow you, and if they're not playing together. To to have you another line like a Samuel Sindalin play against Drysital, and then you can have Power and Yoki Harju kind of freewheeling and 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 playing against the other lines. Because I, I'm I'm looking at this and I'm thinking you have to defend against McDavid differently. You got to think out of the box because you're not going to play him with a, just a traditional straight up top pair. You can't. You got to take your fastest defenseman. And almost shadow him. We don't shadow anymore in this fucking no, game. It's not about shadowing. It's about it's it's, it's about mirroring, defending. Mir- it's about mirroring. defending as a unit. Okay, uh, defending as a so, as a unit. It, he's it's about- not. He's his own unit, Craig. It's four players on the Oilers, and then it's Connor McDavid. We watched it the other night. He can go anywhere, wherever he wants, whenever he wants. Understood. You have to be aware where he is on the ice at all times. You have to be aware when you see him start to pick up speed. You have to read plays, you know, two, three, four seconds in advance before things happen. That's just the way it is because if you don't, he is going to eat you up with his individual talents, his speed and his skill. It is mesmerizing. Um, It sounds easy when you say it. It is clearly not easy because of what he does and what he can do. Um, I'm again, I go back to like, who's, who's the line, who's the line that's going to be playing. I, I get the impression that they put uh, Rasmus Asplin as the second line center, because I think that they're looking for him 
maybe to step up into a role where, hey, you're going to be probably playing against one of the big boy lines. So you, with his defensive you know, mindset and responsibility on the ice, he's got a big task ahead of him. Well, I, I wish him well if that's the case, but I like my idea better. Throw your fastest defenseman out there because he's allowed to be closest to the net from the visitor's net to his own net. So I would have him because you need your sentiment down low. You need your sentiment in the offensive zone. You need your, so the defenseman's the one that can actually skate the least furthest up the ice and stay furthest back to defend. That's the only reason. What are you going to do when McDavid splits and 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 blows the zone like he does eight, nine, ten times a game? Going to have to make a switch, right? Someone's going to be like, "You got to take." Why not just? Why not just give the assignment to one guy and make it easy? Okay. What? Why are you smiling? I don't sound ridiculous, do I? When's the last time you've seen a person in the NHL get shadowed? I don't know, and I don't care. I'm outside. The, I think outside the box. I think the game, the game is too structural. It's too robotic. And if you're going to win and you're going to beat these teams, the you game have is to too think, structured and robotic. It's, it's so it's, robotic. It's so, it is not. It's, oh my god! Is it that's ever. why there's so much scoring in the game. Well, there's so much no. scoring. There's so much scoring in the game now because there's so much speed and it's actually starting to open up and break away from that just in the last couple of years. Why? Because a Connor McDavid type player comes in the league and it's like, okay, now like this is how you open the game up. Every team's doing it because every team has speed and skill. That's why you have to start thinking differently and defend differently against it. That's why I think Colorado had so much success because they had Kale McCarr that could keep up with them. I don't think the idea is great because it's it's his the kid's name is Jacob Bryson. But if it were Kale McCarr and you're asking him to do that, everyone's like, okay, well, Jacob Bryson isn't Kale McCarr, but Jacob Bryson is super fast. And if yeah, and he can fly. If there's one way to utilize his speed, it's put him up against the fastest player in the world just to take the ice away from him. Because McDavid, as Oposo said on this show, makes a tight turn and you turn with him, but then it's like half a second he's gone. He's 10 feet away. So you have to you have to defend against this guy differently, and you can't be afraid to try something new because he's going to embarrass everybody most of the time anyway. Like he goes in one on three against the Rangers as a highlight reel goal of the year last year, so multiple times. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. it's like you know if he burns you, he burns you. Big deal. It's expected to happen. Yeah, but at least get burned trying something different instead of doing the same old bullshit. Let's go around the league from last night. All righty, let's do a quick little hit here. Rangers uh, beat the Ducks six to four. I don't know if that uh, does anything for you. If that's just expected, but again, ten goals in that game. Savannah Jad, two and two, four points in that game, and he he's never in a million years. If you had said, and he was pretty good in Ottawa, yeah. He but was, if you had said he's going to turn into the player that he was going to turn into, I would have been like, eh, I don't know about that. Yeah, and I could agree with that. He had oh, nine on net last night. Nine shots? Nine shots. That's Ovi type stuff. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh he's got four goals and eight points in four games right now. Well, his third year with the Rangers. I mean, that was when he really took off. I mean, uh yeah. his first year with the Rangers. And I don't think he's year. cut his hair since. Well, he's had he's this I don't know, but his first year with the Rangers in fifty six games, he had fourteen goals, thirty seven points. Not bad. But that's what I thought you were going to get out of him. Then the next year, he had 72 games, 27 goals, 47 points, minus 23. And you're like, okay, it's a good year. Then the next year, 82 games, 30 goals, 74 points. But then the next year, 57 games, 41 goals, 75 points. And he had arrived. I mean, he's he's turned into a phenomenal player. Any other notes from that game that that no mean anything to you? Here's one that I think everybody around the league is scratching their head at. The Arizona Coyotes beat the Leafs four to two. Now, granted, the Leafs had that goal taken away 37 seconds. We talked about that a little bit, but Leaf Nation right now is is if you go onto that that go onto there and just type in hashtag Leafs, you're gonna get a lot of hate mail. Yeah. Well, Arizona. Number one guy on the forward line, 1647. The 12th forward 
played 1048. So there's a big, there, there's not a big difference between the top guy and the 12th forward. When you go to Toronto, the top guy, Austin Matthews, 24-43. 24-43 for a forward. And the least is 606. They're they're pushing the pace. They are pushing hard to win hockey games. Mitch Marner. Listen to this one. Mitch Marner. 26-10. 26 minutes for a defenseman in the league is a lot of minutes to play. 26 for a forward in this league is way, 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 way too much ice time. Who else and was at the top? Who was after those two? So those two were were glaring, and then it then it went to Will William Nylander at 2051. And uh there was uh John Tavares at 1936. Those those top guys, I mean, they're gonna be they're gonna be absolutely spent. Well, Sheldon Keefe is taking a bit of a page from John Tortorella and Sheldon Keefe stays in Tampa Bay. Do you remember how much he used to ride Le Cavalier, uh, Richards, and yep. St. Louis? Yeah. Those guys yep. were in the high 20s. Because those guys won you games. They were so good. They would win you games. But that's this is a tough loss for Toronto. You know, they're uh they're two and two now after four games. This is not a this is not a game on the calendar where they thought that they were going to lose. But, uh, you know, congratulations to, uh, to Coyotes. First I think, win. I think a lot, I think that, uh, I'm telling you that call came from the NHL. It's like, you know, Coyotes are winning this game. We got to get them a new building. They beat the Leafs fans start to rally around and they believe this team's good. We need some, we need some false belief here. Leafs will be able to bounce back from this one boys. Yeah. Cause normally they get those calls in Toronto. Uh, Bruins five three. The Bruins are three and zero, and this is crazy to me. <laughs> they, they they might be one of the most balanced teams in the entire league with where they're getting all their points from. Yeah, uh, Panthers outshot them uh, forty one to thirty four, so they were humming, they were moving. Listen, I mean the Bruins, they've got the they got their old the the old boys back there. They got Patrice Bergeron. He scored his second of the year. David Pasternak scored. Um, Jake DeBrusque had two goals in the game. The Bruins are a sneaky, 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 very good veteran hockey team right now. If they can stay healthy with that group of players, they're going to be very, very tough to play against. This is a veteran team, right? From Craig Smith, Charlie Coyle, Nick Felino, all Krejci, the way through the lineup. Games, one goal, Pavel Zaka, Bergeron, Krejci, Hall. This is a good, a very strong team. And you know, you have Hampus Lindholm, who they ended up acquiring. Boston acquired him at the deadline last year, ended up giving him uh, an eight year deal for six and a half schmilly a year. Um, he played 26 minutes last night. Number one on the on the defense course. So it's a good team. It's going to be interesting to see what they do. You always think those teams that were good for so long are going to drop off, right? They just seem, yeah, they just actually, haven't seen they to have it. to, right? Like what the hell is going on? Well, the next team is Pittsburgh. They see, well, maybe they're not dropping off, but I mean, over the years, they have been what? First round elimination over the, you know, the last three, four years. Yeah. And they were after all those runs to back-to-back cups and then all the success before that. So I thought, you know, you, you feel like they're slowing down. Then it's it has six points his first two games, but they lost to Montreal last night in overtime. Pesky, pesky Canadians. Are they? Well, I mean, they had 39 shots last night to uh, Pittsburgh's 28. What's the identity of, of uh, Montreal? Montreal, everybody is thinking right now that they're they're in this complete rebuild and you know they're starting over. No, no, they're not. No, they're not. They're a lot better hockey team than what what people give them credit for. Sean Monahan was picked up for a first round draft pick from Calgary. You pick up uh Kirby Dak from um who is a, a former third overall pick from 
Chicago Blackhawks. They still have a guy, Mike Hoffman, uh, Yevgeny Dandinov. Like they have some older players, Gallagher, that are steering the ship. Josh Anderson. Then they have some, they have some incredible young talent, you know, with Caulfield, with Suzuki, with uh Slavkowski. This is uh this is a dangerous hockey team. So quick uh, little note about the Habs. I mean, they have that Slavkovsky, Slavikovsky. He's not playing very much. Played 952 last night. No points in his first four games. You wonder what they're going to do with him. We'll get to another young player in the league as we go down the uh, list of what happened last night around the league. But Arbor Jackai in Montreal. The awesome thing about Harbor Jackai is his path to the NHL. He was never drafted into the OHL. Okay, he was never drafted for two years. When he was sixteen, when he was seventeen, when he was eighteen, he ended up um, catching on on with the team. Um, he was never drafted to the NHL. It's it's just very interesting how you just continue to forge your path and work towards it. And uh, you know, now you look at this kid. The kid last year played as an overage. In the OHL, typically when you're an overage playing at 20 years old in the OHL, that you're, you know, the writing is on the wall, more or less, that um, it could be your last year playing, you know, real hockey. But this guy made that year uh, a great year, played as an overage. They ended up going to uh, the Memorial Cup and, uh, now to sit here and watch him go from the OHL as an overage to now playing for the Montreal Canadiens, he earned a spot on this roster this year. Well, here's the best part about it. So during the pandemic, when Junior was shut down, okay, he's working at Costco in Canada. And then uh, next thing you know, he's signing an NHL contract. And now here he is just a couple years later going from working at Costco during the pandemic as junior hockey was shut down to make a few bucks to playing for the Montreal Canadiens. So it's an unbelievable story, and it's one to root for because, I mean, I think now that's one thing with social media is you can get more of these good stories, and no one ever wants the good stories. These are some of the the, the great stories in sports that you, you don't really hear of. I mean, the guy was working at Costco a couple years ago. I couldn't imagine what his buddies are well, thinking. Listen, that I, Costco. I know all about this kid. My, my older son, Nate, is a diehard. He's literally a diehard Montreal Canadiens fan. Um, he watches Montreal. He watches every game. And, you know, through the preseason, all I heard from my, my son was talking about Harbor Jet Guy talking about how he's going to make the team dad. He's going to make the team. He's telling me all about it. He's telling me how he never got drafted. He's telling me how he was working at Costco. He's telling how he, he was an overage in the OHL. And now he's sitting there playing on the team. Yeah, I think pretty, it's awesome. Unbelievable story. Something to keep an eye on. Uh, Canucks capital six, four Ovi snapped his three game goal streak. He had two goals and two assists in that one. Were you getting a little worried? Like a little bit worried. Like how many games they played so far? Three or four? Well, you, I mean, well, I was asking you, like, you know, when does this become a conversation? And then you look and you realize they're playing Vancouver, and Vancouver has not had a good start to the season. I'm like, well, wait to see what he does against Vancouver. In my own mind, I'm thinking, you know, give him a couple more games, and he goes out and four points, and next thing you know, we're not asking questions about it. Like when you brought that up to me, the first thing that comes to my mind is he's 37 years old. He's 37 years old. At what point is this man going to stop shredding this league? Last year, he scored 50 goals, 50 at age 36. The year before that, he scored 24 goals in 48 games. The year before that, 48 goals, then 51, then 49. This guy is an absolute machine, but I'm going to tell you, machines eventually break down. They eventually break down. Okay. And the question is, when is it going to happen with this guy? I was thinking after three games, you said, yes, but it's, 
Sidney Crosby, like to score goals in the NHL is extremely, extremely, extremely t- difficult. We well, scored 31 in 69 games last year. He only had 84 points. Missed 13 games. Did you forget about those numbers? Would you think he had 55 points or something last year? Been watching Sid the last few years. Worst year he had was 41 games, 47 points, minus eight. His first minus season. Since and they're, and they're different players. Would you not? Would you not agree? Well, of course, definitely. But both like, both abusing their body, like like Crosby may not be as physically. Uh, he doesn't push the physicality the way Ovi does, but he takes it. Like Ovi delivers it, Crosby absorbs it. It's completely opposite, and they both dominate. Listen, I mean, uh, Alex Ovechkin, 6'3", 235 pounds. He, he hits everything in sight. He has been doing that since he was 19 years old and he came into this league. Sidney Crosby is not throwing his body rec- reckless abandon like Alex Ovechkin is. Now, Sidney Crosby, zero disrespect to him. I think he's in- absolutely insane. He's a generational player. He has been the face of the fran- of the league for you know more than a decade. Now that Connor McDavid's come in, it's kind of he's taken things over a little bit. But Crosby was the face of this league for a decade. And I will I will say that he he produces a, a tremendous amount of points. But Alex Ovechkin at his age from the time of 19 to the age of 37 has scored an un godly amount of goals you go look at back at uh you know wayne gretzky's record wayne gretzky scored 92 one year he also scored in 80 what 87 86 ended with nine last year he had nine goals who's that gretzky his last year he had nine yeah i'm like 99 percent sure he had nine okay anyway moving on I agree with you with Ovi. So they beat the the Canucks six to four, and we're doing the Canucks Sabers game on uh, on uh, Saturday night with Sportsnet, the Playercast. So if you're north of the border, make sure you check that out. Kings beat the Red Wings five to four uh, in overtime. Red Wings two zero and one. They haven't lost in regulation yet. Two zero and one. Gabriel Velarde has his third goal of the season, by the way. Not too bad. Six three and, two fifteen you know five points four games first rounder. Gabriel Velarde is a hell of a hockey player for for the LA Kings. They have a they have a really really nice group of players here. They have your older guys like the uh, Ans Kopitar that are he's still running the show, man. I mean, a goal and assist last game. The guy is just still getting it done, and he is tutoring these younger players, Quinton Byfield. And 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 players along that line. I mean, this is a really strong, strong team in LA. Like LA was another team we thought would be like Boston. They had those great teams, great runs, two cups, and then you're like, where are you going to slow Look at down? Drew Doughty back from his injury. Twenty eight minutes and thirty seconds he played last night. We don't even hear about him anymore. Guy is just eating minutes like crazy. Avalanche beat the Wild six and three, uh, six to three. Wilder zero and three to start the season. By the way, how many goals does Nakushkin have this year in three games? Well, didn't he score? He has four. I'll help you out. He has okay. four. Because Remember I the contract he, he signed, two. and we're all like, "Why are you signing Nakushkin to that contract?" It, it's so wrong of us to to basically say what what you should sign for and not sign for these GMs. Joe Sackick gets to watch Nikitushkin every day, every single day. He's seen the growth in his game. He sees the, how he's um, matured off the ice, how he is treats his body, how he is in the gym on off days. He has an understanding of every single player on his team, just like all these GMs do. That's why, you know, when we, when we, you know, these deals get signed. The GMs know 10 times more than what we do. So we should, we should never be sitting here raising an eyebrow and saying, you know, that's too much money. Well, it's not for the, the most important guy. And that's the GM signing him to a contract. 
Well, he has four goals, so he's off to a good start. Uh, Wilder, 0-3, which I don't think people really expected. Stars, 3-0 Stars, top of their division, beat the Jets 4-1. Not sure how much you care about that. Mark Shifley scored. Tyler Sagan got his first. And, yeah, that's what you got going on in Dallas, 3-0. Wasn't expecting that. Uh, Last but not least, the Kraken lost 5-1 to the Carolina Hurricanes. And I think the storyline of this is when is Shane Wright going back to junior? There's two storylines. Who's going to be the number one team in the league this year? And when is Shane Wright going back to junior? Okay. The Carolina Hurricanes, this could be their year. They have the ingredients. They have, uh, you know, the goaltending. Um, they have the the offense and the defense. They have incredible coaching. They're just so good. They are structurally sound. If you want to play a defensive game, they will beat you at the defensive game. If you want to play a run-and-gun style of hockey, which they don't play, they don't ever play run-and-gun style of hockey, but if you want to play it, they're going to bury you with goals because they're going to eat you up with their structure and how they play the game. I think this team is going to win the President's Trophy this year. That's my prediction. I think they're that good. They've been up in the top of the standings for many, many years now, but I, I think, I think their time is, is, is coming. Something to keep an eye on, you know, Carolina Hurricanes. But Shane Wright, he's played what two games in the NHL, and he's averaging around six minutes of ice time. What is he benefiting from being here? They're probably looking at the situation right now as they just want him to be in the environment to 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 get familiar with the environment to see a couple cities on the road to to know what the NHL life is all about. I would be shocked if he does not go back to junior cuz I do not think that he's ready. He is a, he is a, he's a fantastic talent. He is going to be a great player for a very long time in this league, but there is just no need whatsoever to rush him. He's still very young. He's 18 years old. Give him time. Give him time to mature in his game, mature as a person, and just go back and 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 muck it out. Muck it out in junior. Let him go dominate. Let him go and dominate the league. Put up tons of points. That's what he needs to do. So what's your timetable on him? Like he gets nine games before they have to decide whether they keep him. He's played two out of the first four. You know, you have St. Louis uh, tomorrow. Then you have Colorado Friday. You know, they have, they have an every other day schedule until, well, until November 7th. I mean, they, they play every other day. So is he there just to be a body in the meantime? Maybe, like what? What's the purpose of him even being there? Because they have, they have a, they have a trip coming up. You know, they have they go to Colorado, then they go to Chicago, then they are home for three games, then they're gone for three, and then they're back home for a while. Like what's a what's a fair timetable on this kid? When do you send him back to junior? Does he have to play all nine, or is he going to be deemed a failure if he doesn't get all nine? You know how people. No, think. He, he he. I think he'll definitely play all nine. He'll play even more than that. I don't even think they're worried about burning a year with this kid. He's 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 the number fourth overall pick. He's going to be playing in the NHL. They oh, they're worried about burning a year. You, you bet your ass on that. You think so? Yes. Jason Boschel is your capologist, and he's sitting there saying, "We're not going to burn a year." Because if he comes back in his third year and shreds it as a as a second year guy, full year guy, then we're then we're up against it. You can turn this contract into a five year development plan for you with a number four pick. That's what that's the that's why kids get looped into signing these deals now. That's the catch. They they get affected by the slide. That's what teams do to own these kids at eighteen. They shouldn't sign their entry level deals. If you're a top four pick. When was the last time we saw a first rounder go back in the draft? We don't because they sign now. That's the benefit to the new CBA and signing all these rookie contracts. Because you're not giving a kid a million, million, two million, five at 18 and he doesn't pan out. You're giving him 95 grand. That's fluff for three years. And then after that, 
he could go back to junior for two of those. So his entry level deal doesn't start till he's actually 20. Yeah. So listen, I I'm I'm in no rush with these players. None whatsoever. I think Shane Wright should be playing next year. 100% he should be playing this year in junior hockey. Okay. Go back, work through it, you know, go and dominate the league, go and produce the points that you need to produce and do what you're going to do and, and just continue to mature and get better and learn. There's no need to have him in playing six and a half minutes or six minutes and 50 seconds in a game that is not benefiting him at all. Now I understand that there is growth in being in an environment and just seeing things and understanding what the, the NHL life, the day, the day preparation and how they do things, whether it's through, you know, your morning skates to, you know, you know, the video sessions and everything else you want these young players to be integrated into that. And I think that the Kraken are doing that, but it'll be interesting to watch what happens in the next, you know, month or so. All right. Tonight you got Buffalo Edmonton. We've talked enough of that. You have Vegas, Calgary, Calgary. I, we watched them the other night in the player cast. They are for real. Um, and they played their backup. They played Vlader, uh, Darth Vlader there the other night and, and they still won the game. Anaheim, New Jersey, Boston, Ottawa, Vancouver, Columbus, Philadelphia, Tampa Bay, San Jose, New York Islanders, and LA and Nashville Predators. Tomorrow we'll have Jeremy Ronick on to recap all of that. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank <laughs> you.